0: You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 515 Monday Nights with Victoria and Jeremy, Irritating Things on TV and at the Movies, and Twenty Years of The Office and Ricky Gervais. That's all coming up after the Jayhawks and Blue.
1: band are seriously undervalued always a little bit more popular over here in the, um, over here in the UK than in the mm. states but even still and never quite broken through uh, their albums and singles will reach about number 50 or 60 and then drop away here's such an instance from their 1995 album Tomorrow the Green Grass this single from the album got to number 83 in the UK the Jayhawks and blue
0: Yes, I very much like that, and I agree. They they seem underrated generally, but I'm glad that we've taken them to our hearts a little bit over here.
1: <laughs> yes, um, thank you for joining us for Parish Council Episode 515. I'm Terence Stackham, and no matter how intense the heat wave she's the coolest woman in town it's Juliet harris
0: ah oh, t- too kind as always i live for these ego boosting introductions <laughs> i'm very keen on those yes it's it is you know it is hot 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 down here on the south coast of england if you'd squinted yesterday it could almost have been san tropez anyway oh, hello oh, everyone
1: well for, for people who enjoy quizzes Monday mm. night is the one for those of us in the UK to stay home and watch BBC two where university challenge follows only connect. And it seems the most, it seems the most obvious thing in the world in relation to quiz shows, but a successful format is always the simplest one. The more complicated the quiz, the more viewers will lose interest. Mm. So simple wins and hence, of course, we see the success of, for example, who wants to be a millionaire? The answer mm. is always one of four options. That's it, answer the questions correctly. On that basis, you win a million pounds. Hmm. Only connect at first glance appears to be difficult, (laughs) but the key is that it follows a simple format. Four rounds, find the connection between four things, find a sequence in four things, figure out connections between four groups of four things, and finally identify words or phrases with the vowels removed. Yet, um, Yet Jules, within that simple format, beware here be dragons lying in wait for the contestants
0: yes it's well only connect is probably my favorite program on tv i am delighted it is back and actually one of my most moving moments of this sort of initial lockdown and and, and unlocking last year was when they brought it back and victoria Coral mitchell the host um a visible joy at being able to do it again was really lovely actually and so so i'm a big fan of only connects i'm a just starting to play in an online league which is heavily based around this format Mm -hmm. um which is a lot of fun it is much harder to do it when you're under time pressure than it is when you're watching on tv i would say and that is the true of all quizzes i think i'm an enormous fan of the format of only connect like you say it's a bit like it's a bit like doing crosswords in that the more you watch it and the more that you get into the mindset mm. of how they set the better you get at it for example the the connecting wall where you have to sort into four groups the more that you watch it and play it the more you think oh are there anagrams up there are the palindromes up there are there words within words they often um hide animal names within words and things like that i i think it's great and the thing i love about it is like you say there are some certain quiz formats that are very very simple itv's are the tipping point with its uh, giant two p machine that 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 you know, pushes the coins across and it's very simple questions. It's perhaps the, uh, the the extreme end of that of of the other end of the format. But I like the fact that it isn't particularly dumbed down. I believe it started off on BBC Four, which makes a lot of sense actually. Mm. And I just I just like the fact that it is doing something it's a bit different, perhaps to other quiz shows. But like you say, the format works really really well, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. It's 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 just something that, that isn't dumbed down that you can just sort of have a go at and no, I, I i'm an enormous fan it it makes me very happy
1: and you know um while agreeing that only connect presents its challenges i was really surprised to hear the bbc2 continuity announce. she actually introduced monday's episode the first one back with uh, she did sorry and mm. now the toughest quiz show on telly and i thought no, <laughs> it's not it's not the toughest quiz show on telly but i mean, i do enjoy only connect I know, oh, you're going to be so cross with me. I just know you're going to be cross. I'm probably in a tiny minority, but my enjoyment is despite. Victoria Corin Mitchell. Oh dear. Oh no. Tone. When she explains the answers to contestants, she's you know
0: she's like talking down to them. I don't and feel she is. I tell you who I feel is talking down hmm. to contestants and explaining the answers. Jeremy Paxman on oh, University yeah. Challenge. I'm, right. I think he's far more of a of no, an no, offender don't at disagree, that. I
1: disagree. Yeah, but I can't bear also. I, I'll, I'll drop my criticism of Victoria in a second, but I can't bear her in joke intros and outros about members of the production team i just find that a bit excruciating but you know i know i know i know that's you know you you have a totally opposite view. but this week <laughs> the first of the new season was fascinating because i became i don't know if you noticed this bloke i became transfixed with a domineering contender called anthony martinelli who was in in a team of doctors this week mm. he wasn't the captain but he acted as if he was in charge of being yes. two never mind the quiz and he was very irritating and smug well more so even than than me i would suggest but
0: um <laughs> wow that's a, I that's, mean, that's a, a seeding that's isn't it yeah
1: but jules um only Connect is followed by University Challenge, which first aired on ITV in 1962. Mm. And uh, but well, here's your starter question, I suppose. Are you a fan of uh, terse question master Jeremy Paxman <laughs> and uh, his tricky general knowledge quiz?
0: I'm not a fan of him as a question um, master. Yeah. I find yeah. him very irritating. Uh, uh, he's he, he's really bad at going, no, of course it's not that. Yeah. It's this on the universe. And you feel like saying, would you know that if it wasn't written on your card? I suspect not. And, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because he... he the, the episode that we watched the first of the new series I enjoyed I'm getting better at university challenge so I mean I'm enjoying watching it more 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 often now but he um he, he gives them too much time to, to you know mm. nego- sort of negotiate an answer in the first few minutes and then becomes incredibly unpleasant towards the end of the episode yes. and goes, oh, come on and you feel like saying well you were giving them that much time at the start of the episode I think a little bit of consistency is needed on your part jezza and again it's a it's a format that's as old as time Simon really works and I'm I'm a fan of it it, it went through its its controversial period a sort of 10 or so years ago with the the tribulations the greatest ever champion Gail Trimble being oh, stripped yeah. of the title after they had an overage player so the players are by and large noticeably younger now but uh, no I'm I'm a fan of it I enjoy and I think that they, they as wine experts would say they pair well to make an hours of quizzy Monday Maybe it
1: shouldn't even be mentioned, but I'm going to mention it. The first thing that gained my attention in this first episode of the new season was that there's something afoot with Jeremy Paxman. So a quick Google Mm. told me he's receiving treatment for Parkinson's disease. Mm. And you can kind of tell it's a bit sad, but as you say, that still doesn't excuse his tendency to sneer at wrong answers. Um, No,
0: that's been a constant throughout. really really, These are
1: young, nervous university students. And Mm. as you alluded to, you know, it's very easy to be a smart aleck when you have the answer on a card in front of you. Um, Yeah. one one thing i struck me this week is that even though the show lasts for less than 30 minutes obviously the fact that the students are only ever visible in their top halves and in close yes. up we are able to sort of get an impression of them in very quick order and rather like the fellow on Only connect i this week the captain of king's college mr rashid studying philosophy oh
0: had yes. this, he was
1: he had this remarkably confident and smug smile it, and it managed to be, be both sort of endearing and irritating. In well, I rather liked him
0: actually. I, I I marked him out as a star of the future. He was mm. very telegenetic, wasn't he? And I I I yes, I wondered. They, they, he was very capable. If he popped up as a as an MP somewhere in a oh, few years' yes. time, I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. He had he did have a bit of a master of the universe vibe about him, but I was able to forgive him that because he seemed quite nice. So
1: also, you know, you're getting on a bit um, when the main thing that strikes you uh, about University Challenge is the incredibly scruffy nature of the students you know you're on TV put yes, a shirt on
0: exactly I know but then students are going kind to of student aren't they Terence oh, yeah. but again that is a tale as old as time
1: Only Connect is on BBC Two on Mondays at 8pm and it's followed by University Challenge coming it right up the most annoying things on TV and at the movies Mm. that's next after uh, covering Depeche Mode it's Johnny Cash your own personal
2: Jesus someone to hear your prayers someone who cares your own personal Jesus Someone to hear your prayers, someone who's there. Feeling unknown and you're all alone, flesh and bone, by the telephone. Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer. Feeling unknown and you're all alone Flesh and bone by the telephone Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver Reach out and touch faith Reach out and touch faith Reach out and touch faith Reach out and touch faith
0: I have to- that when johnny cash was doing those covers albums they picked so well for him Mm. in terms of the tunes that that he sang his version of hurt by nine inch nails is the one that still tends to get all the airplay and all the discussion but i think that is such a great version it really suits him the arrangement is brilliant i'm a big fan of the original but i think that is Mm. equally excellent that is johnny cash and like you say doing his own version of depeche mode's personal jesus
1: the albums the album features is an unlikely lineup of backing vocalists but superb mm. nick cave fiona apple and don henley and amazing wow
0: that's a that's a list isn't it
1: it is and it's got a touching and curious album i think at the end of his career and of course his life i think it was the last album that uh he, he ever made so yeah uh, it is an amazing uh, version of uh, the personal jesus though as you say we know that in a very different world in uh twenty twenty one t v and and cinema in particular has to make itself attractive to the public and the movie industry as perhaps the greatest challenge it's got to decide whether it's going to try and encourage back it people back into actual movie theaters or whether it will release release movies on a sort of netflix or amazon type platform f- for a fee. That would mirror physical box office prices, or maybe a hybrid of the two. And with that challenge in mind, well, we we thought we'd offer our extraordinarily valuable advice and without charge. (laughs) Because our
0: world renowned expertise, yes. So
1: generous of us, really, I think, to movie and TV directors around the world with our list of things that are most irritating on movies or TV shows. Mm. Uh, These things must change. Um, For example, Why has nobody in a century of filmmaking ever understood that the viewer can tell when people are carrying empty suitcases? You you have a scene where a character is say at an airport and perhaps taking their suitcases off the carousel and picking them up and it's obvious they're empty (laughs) they move them and lift them like they're made out of polystyrene i mean you go to polystyrene you go to any airport and you'll see people stretching every lugging yes exactly lugging is the word people lug heavy suitcases they don't just pick them up with one finger off the the carousel equally empty coffee cups on TV or at the movies, you know, our hero is walking along the street, sipping from their takeaway coffee. Or, I mean, by the way, firstly, those little slots never work in real life. <laughs> you, you end up with coffee everywhere. Um, so secondly, we can see those cups are empty. We carry coffee cups that are full in a completely different way. So get on to that, directors. Um, what else must change yours?
0: Well, I mean, and this has just become such a cliche that you can meld along with it. This is particularly guilty. The TV program EastEnders, I think, is particularly right. guilty of this. But this is so it's more of a TV thing, I think, than a film yeah. thing. But it happens all the time. A character will be watching TV. Another character will walk in because they have a dramatic revelation to impart. They will turn the television off, and the person watching the TV goes. I was watching that, and it happens all the time, and I just find it so irritating, like, I just I don't know, it's like, surely in real life, you know if it was someone that you loved, you'd come in and go look, I'm really sorry, I need to talk to you, and then you and then the other person would turn the TV off, but no, it happens all the time and I find it really irritating Um, again but if you want to keep this to soaps this is a common complaint does nobody own a washing machine in, in Albert Square, or in or in Coronation Street. Where that's that's used less, but particularly in Albert Square, it's like, how do these people have thought? Why? Why? You know, are they making bad lifestyle choices. <laughs> I, I just, I find that, I find that really strange. I also am a very big anti fan of the, and this is an American thing that's found its way over here, particularly in structured reality type programs. Although I have to say that the, the Clarkson Farm program that we watched last mm. week. Um, managed largely to avoid this and I was pleased. But they seem to follow the three-act play Format of telling people what they got, what you're going to tell them, telling them the thing, and then telling them that you've told the thing, and this often happens on particular programs multiple times. Where particularly things like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, where you go back and forward and back and forward, and in the end I get completely confused as to you know have they just thrown that pasta away or haven't they just thrown that pasta Mm -hmm. away? Is the restaurant still open? Is it closed? Is the chef walked out? Are they back? I find it, I find that really, I find it a waste of my time i'm not that most of these programs aren't a waste of my time anyway but i find it a particular waste of my time That that's what that that's what they do that is very irritating um yeah i think i think those are my main bugbears i feel like i'm hmm. at therapy i think that's all i've got to say for now but i find all of those things very irritating
1: phone calls this is another one for me oh to improve yes yes
0: them.
1: firstly phone calls are never natural there's never yep. enough of a pause for the other person, other person. to answer plus Our person on the screen feels obliged to repeat what the person on the phone has just Mm. said. So they say, wait, you're saying you're saying the murderer is in your house right now. (laughs) And people never end calls like in real life. People in the real world never just say, "Okay," and cut the line. There's always endless. Well, speak to you soon. Love to your family, you know, and all that cars never react normally in movies no. you can drive through the center of brooklyn at 80 miles an hour and you never hit anything
0: no exactly. Uh, in a
1: chase but anytime a car does crash it has to explode in a fireball <laughs> it never just crumbles up and the people stagger yes, out it has to exactly. an absolute massive explosion here's more i do i hope steven spielberg is, is making
0: that I'm, sh- I'm sure he is
1: if in real life is some if somebody is being chased down a corridor. The one thing they'll never do is rush into a room and then stand with their back against the door with a sort of sigh of relief. And on a similar horror note, in real life, mm. anyone waking from a nightmare does not suddenly sit bolt upright in a cold sweat, breathing like a maniac. Yes. But that, you have to do that in, in the movies to show that you you've had a nightmare.
0: That is um, very true. also when when um, when people think and this is particularly true, what they call slasher fix whenever and it's, they always seem to depict women like this. Whenever a woman mm. thinks there's someone in the basement of their house. <laughs> um. Why not just wander down in a T-shirt and knickers to find out what's going on? You know, why would you need to get dressed? Why would you need to uh, why would you need to equip yourself? Why would you just, you know, wander down to see who is killing what in your basement rather than, I don't know, ringing the emergency services? And also on that
1: front, their, their their torch is never bright enough. It's always like no. a very
0: feeble torch,
1: which just casts more terrifying shadows across the cellar absolutely. or the basement rather it's than never, illuminating.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's very irritating.
1: There's the friends or Seinfeld syndrome, where people who have moderate jobs and incomes live in apartments in yes, the middle of Manhattan.
0: Absolutely. And
1: finally, um, get oh you yeah, get over. The scene-setting directors. If a character yes. is in Paris, it's mandatory we see the Eiffel Tower out of their yes. hotel room window. Same with the Hollywood sign, Big Ben Tower, Seattle Space
0: Needle. It's
1: endless. So um, absolutely. Although I, well, no, I
0: would just I would point out this one. One of my I, I often quote lines from Victoria Wood's Dinner Ladies on TV, which I find mm. would still find one of the funniest things and. It, not all, um, not not all dramas are the same. But there was a, a long speech in which Victoria Wood is trying to distinguish between the different amounts of cliches on TV and different things. And she says, "Oh, was it a Catherine Cookson thing you were watching? It's in Newcastle. It rains. She gets pregnant and chops the head <laughs> off mackerel. And then she, and then she said, Oh, was it Shakespeare? BBC Two. They never sit down and they all run on.' And and it's and it's re- she managed to sort of unpick all these different." <laughs> things and on the subject of Catherine Cookson um, there was a, another line so, so again Catherine Cookson's novels and, t- and TV adaptations uh, one of the characters says frustratedly to another this isn't Catherine Cookson you don't have to set the scene and I do feel that there is, there is a, a level of scene setting in certain writers as well so maybe it's not just TV and film that are guilty of this
1: Well, you know, Martin Scorsese, Peter Jackson, Ridley Scott, I hope our advice is being noted and you're taking it on board.
0: Yeah, get in touch. (laughs) Yeah. Coming next,
1: 20 Years of the Office and Ricky Gervais. That's right after some glorious Baroque pop from 1967 from Spanky and our gang. together a mid 60s baroque playlist during the week i don't know why and i suddenly remembered this group although they were contemporaries of the fifth dimension and the Mamas and the Papas, they never received anything mm. like the same recognition i hadn't
0: heard of them at all until you picked this
1: Mate, that all their hits were in the states but i mean this was from 1967 number nine on the billboard hot 100 spanky and our gang and sunday will never be the same
0: Absolutely, and it, and it won't be because this is when we're recording the it podcast.
1: Is. Yes, and, but actually, that sort of tie up. Um, with, I say the Mamas and Papas, uh, Spanky of Spanky and Our Gang, who was uh, Elaine McFarlane or is mm. it Elaine McFarlane still performing? She, um, when Spanky and Our Gang split up, it was around the time that uh, Cass Elliott died, unfortunately in London. Oh, yes. And um Spanky joined the Mamas and the Papas, taking Cass oh, Elliot's place. Oh nice. Uh, never never the same success as the original four but um mm. there we are we mentioned uh, the simple rules for creating a successful tv quiz format yes earlier, and the guidelines for equal success in british comedy series seem to be keep the run short don't overstay your welcome mm. it's it's a rule that we can trace from the 1970s with faulty towers only 12 episodes over two series mm. um more more latterly Gavin and Stacey, 21 episodes, including two Christmas specials. And in between, The Office with Ricky Gervais, uh, 2001 to 2003, uh, Mm. 12 episodes, two Christmas specials. And I see a line through each of these hit shows uh, in that way, Jules. But 20 years on from the first episode of The Office being aired this week in in, uh, 2001, what is the enduring appeal of The Office?
0: Well, I mean the the office I'm glad you didn't say Ricky Chavez there, who I suspect we were going to discuss, but the the, the office it is so well observed i watched it again fairly recently i loved it at the time mm. and i think anybody that has ever worked in an office or or know people that has worked in an office know that they they got it absolutely right the power battles the sort of the the the, the, the ridiculous tropes i also love the fact that the office had lots of characters who never you never still speak but just well, there's always the same people that were uh, sat in the background yeah. <laughs> sort of looking a little bit The the whole vibe of it was so well done in that it was in this slightly down-at-heel, dowdy uh, paper company, Ronham Hogg, in uh, in Slough, And I liked the fact that, you know, when there was a sort of... There were inevitably redundancies at, at, at one point, and it was very... I thought it was it was very well observed. And uh, d- again, the character of David Brent is such a well-drawn character. This kind of sweaty neediness and, and you know, sort of <laughs> terrible kind of um, need to be liked, but also being completely obnoxious and self-centered at the same time. And the, I loved the character of I think he's called Neil Patrick Bellardi playing a sort of suave thing. I think it was the first time we'd seen him properly playing a sort of suave role of Ricky Gervais character desperately tries to whip up sort of antipathy towards him and there's a particularly what but yet he remains quite popular this chap because he is a a naturally a better manager than Ricky Gervais although there is a little bit of a class thing here as well which is interesting but there's a there's a particularly memorable sequence where Ricky Gervais takes some people to the pub for what's meant to be team building and there's this rather awkward everyone sort of sat there in silence and 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 Brent has a rant and then and then sort of leaves when I go back to the office, um, that Neil is leading some people apparently spontaneously and playing cricket and everyone seems to be having an excellent time playing cricket inside the office. And you see Ricky Gervais' character's frustration at the fact that Neil is once again able to naturally do what Brent can't and just sort of explodes. It's, it's, the, the, the way that it, it examines dynamics is great and particularly one of the Christmas, I think it was the last Christmas special mm-hmm. where we come back to discover that Brent has sort of been made redundant he's got a job as a as a sales a sales exec for a stationery company and Bless him. Uh, seems to spend his life when he's not on the road. Always finds excuses to go back to that office, and is Jeez. even more of a pest than he was originally. I think it's unlike a lot of Gervais's later work. It's written with real kindness, I think, and it's and it's written with a real kind of understanding of how people are. The side plot involving Tim of D- Tim and Dawn mm. struggling to get together was particularly well observed, I think. And again, there was one of our movie cliches that we would usually hate, which was a character who's meant to be going away dashes back at the last minute to be re- reunited <laughs> yeah. with their with their love yeah. but actually that was done I thought in a very sweet yeah. way and I could sort of forgive it because it had been such a slow burn and they they'd worked so hard to to, to build these build these things up I, I, I the original office series like you say it, it really benefits from being a short sort of little hermetically sealed box and I think it works really well I have to say this, the annoying spin-off from it is uh, Ricky and his penned number free love on the free love highway is now used in an advertising campaign in one of in one of those internet providers i think and it is oh it's so vexing it's just i'm so sick of hearing that song that aside i'm a big fan of the office
1: just referring back to it, it, what, I, what I refer to as the airport dash, mm, I mean, like, like Tim um, uh, and, and Dawn. But that um, was
0: that was fine. I could. Oh, it
1: fine. But in in the in the movie, it's always the same. Is it uh, the, the the woman, mm. uh, the man, and the woman break up the woman's going back to um LA from New York yes. and forever and at the last moment the chap realizes that what he's giving up and you know gets a taxi that gets held yes. up in, in Brooklyn and then they you know charge it and gets the airbags yeah. to run through and he gets her just as she's checking in um and they they embrace yeah. And everything's alright. The, the, the similarity that I, I referred to running through this in several other British comedy shows, it, I think, is found in several areas. Firstly, the casting. British mm. TV shows and movies seem particularly skillful yes, in putting the agree, right agree. actors in the right characters. You referred to some of them there, you know, and also Finchy and. Um, oh
0: yes, absolutely. You know, and,
1: these, and and the, the, the casting in Faulty Towers, Gavin and Stacey, and The Office is a genius level, and um, again what we find in the office is a familiar, but winning formula Uh, and you you talked about, there's a comedy, yes. But like Basil Fawlty, David Brent is an excruciating character who's, you know, whose antics one watches through our hands at times, but there's a huge element of pathos in these characters. As there also is in Smithy and Uncle Bryn in Gavin and Stacey. Oh yes,
0: Uncle Bryn is such a wonderful character. My dad loves Uncle Bryn, he's so good.
1: But in terms of the office, you know, we can't abide David Brent, but we still sort of root for him. He's yeah, a sort of classic British underdog who's yeah. trapped in a world he hates. But he, he, he as, you, as you said, he can't escape from it because his life at Wernham Hoggins now um, defines him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good observation, I think.
1: Now, although it's 20 years on now and Ricky Gervais has carved out an incredible career for himself, mul- multiple BAFTAs, Emmys and so on often though on the very edge of controversy and he seems to get away with antics others would be cancelled over does he have a special charm jules and in the the light of the twists and turns in the last 20 years would the office even have a hope of being commissioned if it was put forward to the bbc today
0: well that's an interesting one i think I I think it probably would as long as Ricky Gervais's career followed the same trajectory, i.e., he didn't get up to his occasional sort of controversial nonsense before The Office was made. Mm. Um, the the Office is different, I think, to a lot of his works. I just I just loathe some of his later work. I loathe Derek. I loathe the stupid yeah. faces he pulls. I yes, you exactly. know I, I hate all that. I just think it's rubbish. Um, I is is Ricky Gervais's persona has got to the point, particularly in his hosting of the Globe and Go- the Golden Globes, yes. where I I don't know where the Ricky Gervais the persona stops and mm. the real Ricky Gervais begins, and that makes it because it's not a very likable persona you know I, I find it i find it really tedious i must admit and that the, the recent controversy of louis c k who was not a, a dissimilar figure to survey in his comedy in a lot of mm. ways um was always you know sort of saying saying thing, uh, things about women in his stand-up and i never i never liked him i never trusted him mm. lots of my male comedy fans friends saw past that spike claimed to be feminist in some cases but anyway they saw past that and mm. you know thought they would be you know the, the, it was all part of the joke and it was all hilarious and then of course when it turned out that he really was that much of a creep in real life um yeah. but although will of course be rehabilitated because men always are. Why do we live in a world where Renona rider state steals a handbag and can't get work for 15 years? And uh Louis C. K is horrible to women, really horrible and inappropriate, mm. and you know, just and and 18 months later I suspect it'll be like nothing's ever happened. So mm. so uh, that that it vexes me, I must admit. But I yeah, I I find it yeah, I find it. I find Ricky Gervais is sort of smart. Alec, oh, not controversial. Hee hee. But I'm mm-hmm. laughing at myself, so it's all right. I, I, you know, I find that really, really, really irritating. And I just, you know, and 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 I feel that interestingly. And I was talking about this on the other day. It, so he he created the the office with Stephen Merchant. Mm. it's very telling that Ricky Gervais works with all these people and then they don't seem to work together anymore and there's never really a sort of a story as to why they don't really work together anymore and I, I, you know, I obviously I, I did not met him I don't know what it's like but he's very, he seems to be very good at, at picking talent to be around him but mm. they, the talent doesn't seem to stay around for that long and I, I'm increasingly wondering as time goes on how much of the office and the extras was due to Ricky Gervais and how much of it might have been due to Stephen Merchant
1: yeah, um, yes, it's a very good point. I mean, he is a very complex character in a way, or mm. there's two sides to him. I don't know, maybe that's more more easier way to think yes. of Maybe he isn't complex at all. Because, for example, you know, his... his um, his views on, say, animal welfare are, are admirable. You know, he really does yeah, take absolutely. a strong stance against animals. Yes, animal he does. Board, and much. I so admire they, that. Which is great. But then, as you say, the, the awful series, Derek, which was, I, I couldn't see How any did that ever creatures. get made? Yeah, this, I don't that, know. You know,
0: God's sake, Channel 4.
1: And also, his... Um, despite all that, and you would think he, you know, when you think about how he reacts so much in defense of um, sort of the innocence of animals, say, that. Yes. That, that, terrible bullying in some of the early Mm. shows and podcasts of that chap carl pilton yes um just like laughing out loud in a sort of really sort of cackling way at somebody else's mistakes or misfortune Mm. um just uh, that's not endearing at all to me
0: no i I, I agree i i found that really sort of yes i found that bullying mm. school kids aspect of it really 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 frustrating. And I think there are a lot of people, and this is not just a Ricky Gervais thing, it's lots of, is, isn't is it funny how the controversial people who were the mm. first, and this is true in all spheres of life, who were the first to pull, you know, the people that speak as they find um, very rarely want to be found when other people speak.
1: Yes, this is so true. It's very true. So, I mean, we've put, put, I think we've put the world to rights this week. I think we've
0: fixed everything. Yeah. Everything's fixed.
1: Everything's okay. Everybody just go about your business now because everything's (laughs) fine. Yeah, Hmm.
0: everything's fine. There's nothing to see
1: here. Uh, Thanks very much for listening this week. Yes,
0: as always. uh, Thank you for listening to us sorting out everyone's problems. I very much appreciate it.
1: And of course, you can always hear more of Juliet in her other media role.
0: I mean, quite, quite. Why you would want to? I'm not sure, but that's obviously not the way one sells themselves. So anyway, no. yes, I do a radio show on Sunday evenings called Smooth Sailing. It's on Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R.com, and it's slash Juliet-Harris. But if you search Juliet Harris, the name on that site, it should bring you to my channel. Um, that is a uh, Uh, You know, an easygoing mix of yacht rock and uh, classic pop and a bit of M.O.R., a bit of easy listening, that sort of thing. So you can listen live from seven to nine on Sunday evenings if you miss shows and wish to catch up. There is a button on my mixture page that says show real. And if you click that, it's got all the previous shows.
1: A wonderful track now to play us out. Um, A woman whose first name immediately makes me think of the likely lads. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's where you're pitched. Um, this is this is a great version of a great song. I don't think I've ever heard a truly bad version of this song, although I suspect that Terrence will try and dig one out for me next week. But um, I I really love this. I, think no, this I is agree
1: great. with you. This is uh, the this this definitive
0: cover. Yeah, I think so. This is absolutely terrific. Um, I love the breakdown with the beautiful strings about halfway through as well. I think that is grand. This is Thelma Houston, not Thelma from The Liky Lads, uh, although I would pay to hear that version doing Jumping Jack Flash. I was born!